Welcome to the CodeCast Podcast. Real-world insights for your daily medical coding and billing processes. And now, here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CodeCast Podcast today. My name is Terry Fletcher. So today my topic is, and I'm air quoting, can I really code for that? And the reason I'm bringing that up is it's been actually a little bit of a frustrating week for me and some of the emails I've received that continue to ask, you know, what is really a, a telehealth visit, or this is what my doctor's doing, and I'm finding it to be suspect that I probably shouldn't be billing for it. And there's just more and more and more that's out there that people are taking liberties and billing for things that are not appropriate. So I really wanted to just have a chance to just have a conversation, talk to you about it, and hopefully you'll be on the same page with me as far as is this billable or is it not billable? And we, we really need to take stock of that because the OIG has put out their work plan and it has telehealth all over it. It has dermatology over it, general surgery, orthopedic surgery, you know, you name the specialty, it's on there. And they're seeing just a lot of, uh, you know, and I hate to say it, fraud, just and abuse. And now we're seeing payers actually audit on diagnosis codes. So it used to be, or I should say, it's most often CPT and ENM and, you know, excessiveness, frequency guidelines. But now we're seeing that they're looking at um, the medical necessity as far as was this diagnosis actually somewhere in the note? And if it was, was it an active diagnosis? You know, think about your hierarchies, your HCC coding. And so that's why today I really just wanted to talk to you about, you know, what what it takes to say, yes, this is a billable service. And, you know, can I code for that? Well, let's take a look and see some of the questions that I've been getting. So here's one. It says, uh, when the physician reads a PET scan, do we bill it with place of service 11 because we have a mobile unit that comes to our office? Well, remember, mobile units are place of service 15, but what does the uh, interpreting physician actually bill? Well, since they're coming to your office, yes, you can bill the place of service 11 because the mobile unit is going to, again, use that place of service 15. So can you bill that? Yes. Moving along to telehealth. So this past week, I did a webinar for AAPC, and it was on post-PHE and public health emergency, as we all know, ends on Thursday. So hopefully you're aware of that. It ends on May 11th. And so there's a lot of changes, a lot of updates, some extensions, but not everything uh, when it comes to telehealth, televisit, telemedicine, uh, telemental, put tele in front of everything, and it's on there. Well, the the question I got post-webinar, uh, post, uh, which it was really disturbing to me because we had 450 people on the on the call, which is a great turnout. I was just like, oh my gosh, they just kept coming in the room. And APC was pretty happy with how heavily attended it was because it was live. And the question was, my physicians use the telephone calls to give test results. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And so if I always try to explain, if you didn't do it before the pandemic, why are you doing it now? And her email said, we're doing, we're calling the patients to give them their routine test results. And then the other one was, but we noticed that 
there is a seven day related visit global on phone call codes. So we wait until the eighth day and don't give them their results to the eighth day. Well, I'm sure most of you can probably picture me face planting right now. First of all, you can't deny a patient their results and you can't hold their results hostage for a phone call. And secondly, if it's routine results where it's, it's not something the patient initiated the, the ENM and well, initiated the call, let's call it what it is then it's not something you should be billing for. That is part of triage, part of being a, a practice, a physician. And also think about this. Remember on page six of the CPT book, where in the ENM section, it says that all orders include results. So you're double dipping. So right there, there's a fraudulent act. If you're giving routine test results and calling the patients and billing for a phone call, you already received that value in your RVU for the ENM service when they came in the office on the order. So don't do that. I had an orthopedic practice call me and say, can we bill for pre-ops? I said, well, what are your pre-ops? Are you also managing the medical problems on the patient, such as Coumadin um, adjustments, um, maybe listening to the lungs before you do the surgery? And they're like, oh, no, we're just giving them their paperwork and talking to them again about home health. And then if they need any off work slips, that's administrative. So those are two instances where if you're trying to bill for a phone call, the answer is no. Can you code for that? No, do not do that. And I'm not even giving you a gray area here. That is absolutely inappropriate coding. Do not do that. And Medicare came out with a statement I thought was interesting on their last update. And they were talking about, you know, the reporting of the vaccines and, you know, the discontinue of use of certain waivers and the CAA on telehealth. And one of the biggest things that they said was that we're going to monitor for not only excessiveness of the phone calls, but all telehealth visits, but also for good faith and medical necessity. And in my opinion, this opens you up for a bad faith audit. It is such a problem with excessiveness. And it's like people are saying, well, because I can, I'm going to. Just because you you can, because it op it's opened for reimbursement, it has to be medic medically necessary. And for those of you that have not taken an update yet on telehealth and are just trying to get all of your information for free, you really need to pay for a webinar so you have a reference point. I know all my webinars, I make sure that you have the cited reference. But one of the things that has come up on not only the CAA, which is the Consolidated Appropriations Act, but in the final rule and also on many Medicaid uh, documents and published guidance, they have something under the consents and they're talking about consents required for, um, you know, a lot of the telehealth services, but here's what they're saying. And I found this also in the CAA and found it on a couple of, it was kind of hidden on some of the published guidance for Medicare. First of all, it says providers are to obtain consent prior to rendering a service via telemedicine from the beneficiary receiving services. Um, or their legal guardian. It also, and this is important, it says providers must allow beneficiaries to elect to return to in-person services at any time. So you can't record them. That was a big thing. And beneficiaries may elect not to receive services via telemedicine. And you can't use their refusal to receive services via telemedicine, as we are hearing some providers do, as a basis to limit the beneficiary's access to service. If a patient wants to come back in in person, you have to let them. I've got a, a group of physical therapists right now that are not allowing their patients to come back in because they're not ready and they're getting in trouble. They are getting in so much trouble. I passed them along to a healthcare attorney. I said, look, you guys have legal issues. I'm, I'm not there. 
Also, it talks about allowing audio only situations. So will it still be covered? Yes, we know that was extended through the end of 2024, but the 99441 to 443, first of all, they took off the new patient. It has to be established patient and there has to be in a relationship um, with that uh, provider and that patient. But here it says allows audio only in situations where the beneficiary does not possess or have access to video technology and only when clinically appropriate or for an urgent medical situation provided the use of audio only telecommunication is consistent with state and federal requirements, including guidance by CMS with respect to OCR respect to compliance with HIPAA. So again, that's where we have that 90 day uh, extension, but that's it. They first said it was actually once the PHE ends, you can't use Skype and FaceTime. You have to actually use HIPAA compliant, but they extended that 90 days to August 9th. But that was an interesting thing where they said if the beneficiary does not possess or have access to that technology, then the documentation requirements. Now here's what we have to document because of these, these new guidelines. It says providers fully document service rendered and the telecommunication type. Now I've been saying that since day one in March of 2020, but sometimes I'm not seeing it. And it was actually in the original uh, COVID FF, the fee for service FFS um, COVID-19 FAQ sheets. The second bullet says if doc, if audio only must document the reason audio video technology could not be used. So you have a couple of things that you have to explain yourself. And if you're not doing that, then that could open you up for an audit and that could be a, a, a real problem. So this is something that also came up on the CAA and the, the end of PHE FAQ sheet. Now you could Google this. It was dated on 424 from Medicare. And it said certain telehealth visits can be delivered using audio only technology, such as a telephone if someone is unable, again, unable to use both audio and video. And so they were very clear that you know, they want, they don't want you to use the audio only. And for those of you that weren't part of the, or didn't hear any of the, the latest uh, telehealth webinars, the CBT panel came out in March and basically said that, you know, surprise, we're going to have 17 new telehealth codes as of January 1st, 2025. And the 99443 to 99441, those are actually going to be deleted. So they're on a very limited short leash. Um, I know it sounds like, oh, the end of 2024, that's only a year and a half. That's not very long. And it was only extended based on these criteria. So not extended as a free for all, only established patients, only if they don't have audio and video. And so it, it's not the free for all that it has been. So make sure you're reading between the lines on all that. Otherwise you could be overcoding those services. And so can you code for certain things like that? No, you have to know when it's appropriate and when it's not. Another question I got this week, and this actually ties into the Cigna uh, 25 modifier thing where they're trying to get everybody to send paperwork as of May 23rd with anything that has a 25 modifier on it with a, um, a minor procedure. So I had a practice that said, oh, I'll just bill the procedure on a different day. Can I code for that? No. <laughs> If you provide a ENM and also an injection or a polyp removal or, lipo or lipoma removal or some kind of minor procedure on the same date, you have to code them on the same date. Now remember, if it's not appropriate to code the minor procedure with an ENM, so maybe that procedure was scheduled, then you would only have the procedure. But the biggest thing is you can't manipulate the system so that you can get paid. 
I'm seeing people that are saying, hey, I'm doing diet counseling for patients that are obese. I'm like, good for you. That's a great um, thing to do for your MIPS and MACRA for your, you know, quality measures. They're like, I know, but I, I, I want to find out how to get paid for that. I said, well, is the patient diabetic? Is it diabetic counseling? No. Do they have chronic kidney disease? No. Have they had a kidney transplant? No. Well, then you can't code for it. They're like, but I'm doing obesity counseling and I'm using a nutritionist or a dietitian. Well, that's very nice for you, but that's not something extra. It's part of lifestyle medicine. It is not extra to code for. So can you code for that? No. I actually had a doctor say, well, I'm coding a nurse visit. Oh my gosh. Okay. I think I'm hurting my head from all the face plants. Oh man. But I've had a practice that, um, that coded medical nutritional therapy codes for nutritionists uh, and they coded it as nurse visits instead of the actual um, MMT, MNT codes. And it was appropriate to do the codes for therapy, but it wasn't appropriate to nurse visits. And they had a refund almost $80,000. Try doing it when it's not appropriate. Certain codes are, are tied to certain diagnoses. Um, I actually, and here's another one. I heard NGS uh, Medicare last week in Illinois. So I'm just listening in, you know, I have several clients in Illinois and they said, you want to listen into what NGS Medicare is saying? I said, sure, why not? You know, we have Neridian here in California and I listen to Novitas a lot of times for Texas. So let me just listen in. This gal that was on the phone, oh my gosh, she started talking about how you can bill for any visits, any service, anything, as long as it has mental health diagnosis. I'm like, no, you can't. Um, through telehealth, she said audio only. I'm just like, no, you can't. You can only bill certain services that are on that Medicaid, Medicare list that says yes in that column that says, is this approved for audio only? And so I was so disappointed that a Medicare um, person would actually say that. So they had a queue where you could get on and, and ask a question and I never get on. It's just, sometimes I get lucky. I got lucky. And I, they said, Oh, you know, Terry Fletcher, you're asking a question. And I said, um, your person that just presented said that you can bill for any services under audio only, as long as it is mental health related, including ENM. And right here, I have the rules that says you can't do that that you could only actually bill codes for, you know, um, psychiatry. They start at 90785. Those are interactive, diagnostic, and, you know, timed visit with the patient. Um, and they go up to code 90853 for group psychotherapy when it's covered. I said, you said ENM. I go, that's not accurate. And she goes, are you sure? And I said, I am sure it's right here. And here is the link to it. And she like paused for maybe 20 seconds. And we thought maybe it was over. And she goes, oh, you are correct. Okay, I stand corrected. What about all those people that just listened to her webinar and hung up after didn't wait around for the, you know, Q&A? Oh, my gosh, they just did something terrible. So this is where I, I just... I have a problem sometimes when people don't do their own due diligence. So you cannot code for ENM for behavioral health services on audio only. Please don't do that. You have your own set of ser services based on that specialty and please pull out that list. It has 262 services and it has a column that says audio only okay and if it is it says yes. If it's blank it, it doesn't it means it doesn't qualify. So those are the type of things that I think a lot of you are dealing with that you may not know. Um, I was auditing a record the other day with actually a colleague of mine, and um, she had also received some similar records where they have been billing audio only office visit as well, not for mental health, just because they thought they could. And they said, oh, we weren't even aware of the, off of the uh, phone call codes. 
I'm like, okay, first of all, ignorance is not bliss. You can't say after three years that you didn't know or didn't know where to find it. And if you have staff that aren't on top of that, then that's your problem. That is, oh my gosh, I was actually angry about that. I wasn't, I wasn't so much surprised as angry because that's wrong. We've had over three years of this and it is our responsibility, your responsibility, the physician's responsibility, the coder, the compliance team, you know, the biller, anybody who's out there getting educated and understands. I mean, your head would have had to be in the sand to not know that office visits, E&M services, newer established patient hospital codes, they are not okay for audio only. I mean, I don't know how many times they've said that because there are specific audio only codes that, that can qualify for those services. So can you code that? No. And they're having to send back, I think they're up to 1.3 million. They were audited and that's why it came to our attention. And it was, and plus fines, plus they're now having to, they're under a hundred percent audit for anything they send in. And they were said that they were told that by their Medicare carrier, in two commercial plans that uh, their correction action plan has to be they no longer get to code for telehealth. So that was pretty harsh, but they're saying, you know what, if, if you don't get the information, if you don't do your due diligence, it's on you. And so you, you have to know if you can code for that, if you can report it without just doing it and then finding out later. So I know that my good friend, Sean Weiss, he calls it, um, you know, chasing. So basically you just wait to see if something happens. Uh, one of the biggest things is incident two. You don't have a physician in the clinic. You have a new patient come in, your PA sees that patient and they do all the workup and everything. And uh, they recommend the patient comes back in in two days to see the provider. But the new patient visit should be billed out under the PA. And the doctor says, well, the, I was accessible. It doesn't matter. You weren't there and it's a new patient visit. So two things were in play. First of all, it's a new patient visit. So there was no treatment initiation by you. It was only by the P uh, PA, by the mid-level provider. Secondly, if you're not in the office for the established visit, then it doesn't, again, qualify as an incident too. So can you code for that? No, not under the physician. Can you code for it under the mid-level provider as long as your state allows them to see new patients? So know your rules. And for those of you that have new staff that, you know, it's an ever-evolving thing, with people coming in and out, uh, make sure that when you find these rules and they're frequently asked questions in your billing or coding department, put them in a binder, put them in a file, put them somewhere where, you know, at any time when you hire somebody, they can look up and say, do you have these frequently asked questions? Or you can say, here's something to study in case you ever have a question. These are things that come up in our office and our practice all the time. And we just want you to be aware of it and be, um, you know, cognitive of what's going on out there. So it, it is on us and on you to make sure that you are updated, that you are educated, and it's also on your physician. But if you're a certified anything, it's on you as well. Even if you're not, if you're working within the confines of being a healthcare professional um, for a provider, they are actually counting on you, even if you're not certified, to either know where to find the information. Um, maybe you join my membership. I would definitely be keeping you updated. Um, and again, this is a shameless plug. You can go to terryfletcher.net and join that. Or it is up to you to find the information and not just Google it. Make sure that anything you Google, you verify because it's not always accurate. Uh, anything you find on Facebook, please do not use at I'm not on Facebook. I haven't been for about eight years. I think it's evil, actually. That's my opinion. But just make sure that you are verifying that because I think a lot of people code off of what they see uh, on Facebook and that isn't always appropriate. 
Okay, I'm going to lighten the load a little bit here and just say I hope everyone um, got to see. I don't know if anyone's into this, but I I love watching the royal family. You know, I just think it's such a kind of a cool thing. Just the the ceremony, the pageantry, the 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 tradition of the the British royals. So I like it. You know, you may not. I don't know, but the coronation of King Charles was just really cool to watch on Saturday. So I hope some of you got to see it. Just seeing how they you know how they respect. Um, not only their country, but the traditions, um, you know, it's, it's, it's also a very somber religious ceremony, but I loved it. So I just thought it was beautiful. And, and, and so if you get a chance to go back and look, I know they're going to be replaying it. Um, take a look. It, it's just a really cool tradition thing that in the climate that we have right now out there, it's nice to find something that just kind of makes you smile, makes you happy and makes you just you know, happy to see that some people are keeping their traditions of history. Uh, and, and it's just a really cool thing. All right, everyone, until next week, where I'm going to be talking about AI, the good, the bad, the ugly. And believe, me, believe it or not, there is some good. There's some stuff out there that I was like, okay, I like that. But there's a lot of stuff out there that uh, is not so great. So I'll be talking about that next week. Also, for any of you that are members of NAMIS or non-members, take a look at their website on Tuesday, May 9th, I'm going to be giving a teleconference. I haven't called that in a long time, a webinar on uh, telehealth, but it's on the auditing of telehealth records. So it's a little bit different take on it. And there's a TPE checklist out there that I'll be looking at and going over. And so that might be something you want to look at. So feel free to take a look at that. All right, everyone. Also, I almost ended today without mentioning some of the local chapters I'm going to be speaking for this month. Um, I have Palm Beach, Florida, APC. I was asked by Christine Hall, and I'll be doing the No Surprises Act on Saturday the 13th, and then uh, APC, Northern California. And again, that is going to be a telehealth tune-up. No, it's not Northern California. It's North Carolina. Did I say Northern California? That's the 20th, so take a look at that. And then oh, what's another one I'm working on? Um, there's another one, but that's not until not until June, so I'll let you know about that one later. Okay, now I'm going to end. <laughs> Make it a great day, everyone. And thank you for listening to the CodeCast podcast. For more information on medical coding, billing, auditing, and compliance, including how to hire Terry, follow Terry on Twitter at TerryCoder1 or visit her website at www.terryfletcher.net. Podcast producer Joe Kuzma, music producer Assassin Music.